Hello, welcome back to the Unexpected Gardener podcast. My name is Sabrina and I am the Unexpected Gardener because I'm a city girl who knew nothing and in 2020 decided I was going to learn all the things and be self-sufficient and it steamrolled into quite a passion and quite a following of people who feel the same way. So today I want to talk about how you begin to garden. And I know that many of you have this block because I had the block also. And I talk to a lot of people who are interested in gardening, but they feel like they don't know where to start. They don't even know how to start. It just feels really unattainable. So I'm going to talk about just some simple steps I don't know how many there'll be, maybe three or four steps to just get you thinking about the garden and and starting. Because I think starting oftentimes is like the hardest step because, you know, you just feel it's just very it's intimidating. And it it was for me. Um, So we're going to do just kind of talk about some practical things that you can do. to just get started. Um, I definitely want to talk about, um, I want to talk about the garden and why I think it's such an important, um, thing that every American should really do. Uh, we, we, we got away from this. We got so disconnected from our food supply and I really feel like we're paying, we're paying a really stiff price for that. Um, and of course, that's going to be a running theme in every podcast where we talk about food. Um, but the garden brings so much more than just food for your family. Um, for me and for many, many other people that I've spoken to, the garden is a place of rest. It's a place of, um, honestly, it, it feeds your soul. There's something very m- magical and honestly biblical about getting your hands in the dirt and then cultivating, you know, this, this beautiful process of putting a seed in the ground and watering it and ending up with, you know, food for your family. So I know that many of you, as I am, are feeling just kind of the sense of pressure because of the soaring food prices. And, you know, that's a really big concern for many Americans. Um, I saw a reel the other day where this guy had gone into Costco and he had taken photos of items that they bought on the regular, like last year. And then he went and took photos, you know, that day of all those same items. And the cost difference, some of them doubled you know, where he had spent, you know, $5.69 for some, I forget what it was, um, like, you know, bone broth or something. And it was like, it was like 11 something. And I, you know, I don't really shop in the grocery store a whole lot. I do most of my shopping um, with Azure Standard. And, you know, I do shop at Aldi and prices have gone up there for sure. Um, And then I do an occasional Costco run, but 
it's really hurting a lot of people. So there's a growing sense of anxiety about food, the food supply, how crappy it is with the food, what they put on, you know, in food. But then also this another layer of just the cost of food. So, you know, in a lot of a lot of these, you know, your households, maybe you're thinking like, I just need to start growing food to reduce my monthly budget. And that's a really good reason to grow food, honestly. So I just feel like, um, you know, we're just going to talk about some simple steps. And, and if you can afford my, um, my course, Gardening for Beginners, I highly recommend it because I, I sort of simplify things. You know, th there's a lot of information out there and a lot of information may not even pertain to you. So it's helpful to kind of um, simplify things so that it's more bite sizable and it gives you a lot of confidence. So, all right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is something you probably not, you have not really thought about before. I know I never really thought about it or cared a whole lot about it, but you need to find out what your first and last frost date is. Um, you know, essentially that's your growing season and it varies greatly from state to state. It varies um, even, you know, even in, you know, the South, you know, you might have completely different frost, you know, first frost dates uh, or last frost dates. Um, and so it's really important to, to know that information just to, right away, just to start to get you more comfortable and thinking about what your, you know, what your plan is for your garden. So, I mean, it's really just a simple Google search. You can do, um, you know, since we're in, we're in uh, December, so you're, you're going to be looking at your last frost date and your zip code. So that's how you would Google that. Um, I think mine is probably like April 10th, maybe. Okay. And so that kind of gives me a little bit of data so that I can think about what am I, when do I plant out? What, you know, what do I what do I need to grow and when can I put it outside? Um, and there's a lot of information that you need to know about specific plants and all that. And some of them like it hotter, you know, like, you know, peppers, for example, I, I might not even plant peppers out until May. Um, and depending on where you are, you might not want to plant peppers out until June. Um, they like it kind of warm. So, but that first piece of information is really important. So, Figure out your your uh, last frost date, um, and then your first frost date is basically when you'll have to be done growing some of those warmer weather crops, things like peppers and eggplant and tomatoes. Um, they like their summer crops; they like it warm, um, and they do not do well in very cold temperatures. Some some crops do. Um, Another thing, you know, it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit important. It's not as important as your first and last frost date is your growing zone. Um, there was a recent change where I don't think they've updated the growing zone for like 30 years or something, and they just recently updated it. And so I was always in zone 7B, and now I'm in zone 8, um, which honestly, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um the grow your growing zone is kind of the average of your lowest temperature. Um, so you can, if you look at the growing zone map, 
Um, it really doesn't give you much information as far as the decisions you're going to make on what you're going to grow. Um, I mean, I guess it's decent information, but it's as far as a grower goes, it really does. It's irrelevant kind of what zone you're in. Your first and last frost date is kind of the most important thing. Um, the next thing that I want you guys to do, which honestly seems very obvious, but you'll be surprised, um, you know, is write down what your family likes to eat. What kind of vegetables do you guys like? Um, if, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't like radishes, for example, um, you know, don't grow them. And it's funny that you think that that's very obvious, but, you know, when I sort of jumped in to gardening, I was very attracted to the radish because it grows really fast. And so, you know, some crops, you know, can take 65 days or 80 days, you know, before you actually get a harvest, you know, so you're waiting a long time. So I was like, oh my gosh, radishes, like you can get a radish in like super quick time. I forget how much it is, but it's literally like four weeks or something. And um, yeah, I hate them. I don't even like them. And nobody else likes them. My husband will eat them, but I don't really like them. So it was like, oh, well, duh, that's kind of stupid. Like, why would I grow something that I don't really like to eat? Um, so usually what I, what I recommend for, um, it's in my course, I have like a little worksheet, but when I do one-on-one -on -one with clients or if somebody's just kind of picking my brain, you know, I'll say, sit down with your family and write down what you guys like to eat. Um, I certainly think it's, it's wonderful to get it in. It's like kind of a family affair and kind of everybody's invested. Um, and then once you have a list of what you like to eat and so, you know, what you'd want to try to grow, you want to separate them into a, a, you know, warm crop and a cool crop. Um, it is one of the most confusing things and it actually infuriates me because I was, I really didn't know, you know, I, my first year, I just went to like Home Depot and just was like, oh, I'll just go buy plants there and just plant them in my garden. And broccoli was out, you know, in the spring, broccoli was out and then like tomatoes were out or, you know, whatever, peppers. And broccoli is a cool, loving crop. It is not a summer crop. You, you really, especially here in North Carolina, it's possible you could grow broccoli, you know, maybe in a very Northern climate, um, in the summer, but I mean, they just don't, they bolt, they don't like the heat. So I was really frustrated because I was, I bought it because we eat broccoli. I was like, I wanted to buy stuff that we eat. So uh, I'm like planting it and then it just develops this really thick stalk right in the middle and it, it shoots the stalk right up and flowers. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't understand how that worked. And when I finally figured it out, I was so annoyed. Like, why would they sell cooler crops with the warm crops and here in North Carolina, you know, spring is really not like a thing, <laughs> you know, it's, it like starts to get a little warm and then pretty quickly it's like super, super, super hot. So, you know, I can't, I can't grow cool crops in the, in, in the spring here, you know, cilantro bolts right away. Cilantro is my favorite herb, but it's a, it's a cool crop. So um, and what I mean by bolting, um, I, I'm 
just going to assume you might not, or some of you might not know what that means. I didn't know what it meant at all. Um, so basically a plant's job, right, is to grow, flower, create seeds, and then drop its seeds so that it continues on. Um, and we eat them before, most of the time, we eat plants before they go to flower, before they go to seed. Um, and they don't taste as good. Like if you let basil, for example, most basil varieties, if you let them go to seed, they'll develop flowers. Um, bees love, 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 love it. I always let one of my basil at least go to flower because it attracts so many bees. Um, but it doesn't taste as good anymore. So the basil leaves don't, they don't taste good. Um, so the, you know, we don't want them to go to flower. So I might pop all the flower heads off as soon as I see them forming so that I can continue to harvest basil and make pesto and it's delicious. Um, but every plant, that's its job. That's what it's going to do. It, it wants to grow. It wants to create seeds and it wants to drop its seeds. So for most of them, we, we either eat the root, like we'll eat like the roots of a carrot, for example, or beet, you know, we're eating its root. You want to eat it before it goes to seed. If it goes to seed, it doesn't taste good. So that's kind of what I mean when I say bolting or go, you know, or going to seed. Uh, that's what I mean by that. And so it's important to kind of understand which crops are cooler crops and which crops are warmer crops so that you know um, when to plant them and that you don't waste precious money and precious um, garden space, especially if you're growing in a small area like me. I mean, I can't waste any of my garden space. If I'm wasting it on something that I can't even eat, it's like really frustrating. So make the list with your family. Talk about the things you love, you know, so much. Pretty sure tomatoes are going to be on that list. Um, honestly, I think tomatoes are like the gateway plant to, you know, that lures you in and makes you fall in love with the garden because growing tomatoes is my absolute favorite thing to do. And I generally grow at least, at least eight varieties. Um, and I, I give a lot of garden space to tomatoes because they're delicious. And I, listen, I don't know if it, you, if you eat, if you grow your own tomato and you eat it fresh from the garden, it's still warm. You won't you can never replicate that with a grocery store tomato like at all they just they literally taste like a totally different vegetable it is absolutely delicious when you grow your own tomato so i highly recommend them um so okay so we talked about finding your first and last frost date um we talked about writing the list with your family um and then separating that list into cool and warm crops um it's a simple, honestly, it's just a really easy Google search. So if you just, you could just search um, list of cool weather crops and then it'll pull it right up and then you can kind of check your list and kind of separate them out. Um, you know, lettuce, for example, you know, we love to eat lettuce in the summer. Most varieties don't grow well in the summer. They go right to seed and they taste bitter and taste like garbage. Um, Swiss chard's another one. If it's too warm, it just tastes gross. Um, so, you know, when you're, once you do this and you kind of get what grows when, 
you kind of make a mind shift in your head where you're, you kind of understand seasonal eating too, which is another whole different topic. But I think it's really cool. And I know that once I became very aware of what grew when and, you know, what was the best environment for certain fruits and vegetables to grow in, um, I, I really, it's almost like I craved those fruits and vegetables. Like, like it's not, it's not normal to eat strawberries 12 months out of the year or tomatoes for that, for that matter, 12 months out of the year, you know, our, it's almost like our nutritional needs. I, I feel like we just need to go back to the kind of old fashioned, you know, times where you only could eat what you grew because I just feel like overall it's probably much healthier. Um, the next thing you want to think about is, so you've got, you've got your list, you kind of know what you want to grow. Now you got to figure out, do I have room for this stuff? And so kind of, uh, look at your, you know, whatever you have, your yard, your patio. Um, you want to have a spot to grow food that gets at least six hours, uh, of, direct, you know, full sun, I would say eight is probably way better, but six to eight hours of full sun. So sort of pick the spot that you feel like, okay, I, I have room here either for like a green stock tower or grow bags or a couple of raised beds, you know, something, you know, find the spot and then keep an eye on it for a couple of days and see which spot gets six to eight well, it's eight to 10 really, but you might be able to do okay with six, but you want full, full sun. And so that kind of, again, it takes you to that next phase where you're like, you know what you want to grow, you know about when you can start planting. And now you have to figure out where they're going to go. You know, can you fit some raised beds? Do you want to just do a couple grow bags to start? Um, and then that kind of helps you figure out what are you going to grow? And, you know, the, in the spring garden planning is one of my favorite things to do. So it's so nice when it gets cold outside and, you know, things kind of slow down because you, you kind of have no choice, but to sort of dream and plan about what you want to grow, um, in the garden and the, in the winter, you know, it's kind of a bummer when you've, you know, you've had a, had a growing season and then everything's kind of brown, um, outside and, you know, your, your raised beds are sort of put to bed. Um, I'm still growing outside. It's been, it's been okay. And so I have broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cabbage growing outside still rutabagas too. Um, but you know, at some point it might be too cold for that too. And, you know, it's kind of sad, but it's also just kind of getting used to the cyclical, um, you know, the flow of gardening is, is just the coolest thing. And it kind of forces you into a time of like high production, you know, in the, in, you know, in the summer, it's like, you know, the kind of middle end of summer, you get a lot of production and you have to process that, you know, you might not be able to eat all the cucumbers that you grow or eat all the tomatoes that you grow. So what are you going to do with the harvest? And are you going to freeze it? Are you going to can it? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, the, a rush of, abundance. It's amazing. Um, and then you get into the fall while things start to slow down, you know, and, you know, you're finishing up kind of all that preservation. And then the winter 
kind of dormant and you start to dream a little bit. You miss, you miss your garden, but you start to dream and plan for the next year's garden. And then when the spring comes, it's like renewal, you know, it's renewal outside where everything starts to come back to life. But for me, it's, it's renewal of my, myself, because you just feel like you're kind of coming out of a slower time into, you know, the beauty of new beginnings and, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with my garden. <laughs> I'm just like thinking about it now. Like when you go out there and it's so warm and you start to see things grow, I'm telling you, it's the most, it's the most beautiful thing. And I really do feel, you know, I know we were created for this, you know, we were created to be gardeners and to cultivate, um, the earth. Okay. Back to the practical tips. I'm like, you know, going on and on about the romance. My garden definitely woos me and yours will too. Um, you know, you will practically plan your garden, but you will also develop a love for, you know, something, something is just going to completely rock your world. It, it might be flowers or it might be certain herbs or it might be tomatoes. I mean, something will just continually bring you back. Um, that reminds me of a really important point about when you're deciding what you're going to grow. Um, you want to grow what you want to, you know, that you will eat for sure. But I also really encourage you to grow things that you can't buy in the store. You know, I like to grow heirloom variety tomatoes that are just, you know, it's something that I can't get at the store. Um, Dr. White cheese is my favorite. It's like a yellow tomato and it's like a little bit sweet and it just has this perfect acidic balance. It's just absolutely delicious. And I really, you know, I can find heirloom tomatoes sometimes in like Trader Joe's or I don't know. I don't really go to Whole Foods very often, but if I did, I'm sure I could find them there, but they're super expensive, you know, but when you, gr you grew them in your garden and you can't get them anywhere, it just, it just adds such a value, um, to what you're doing. And it, it makes the effort that much more worth it because you can't go buy that thing. Um, okay. So the other, the other thing you need to decide is, you know, once you figure out, okay, this area on my, my patio, I'm going to do containers, or I'm going to do a tower, or I'm going to do a couple of in-ground beds. And, and you can start small. I mean, you don't have to have a massive garden. You can start out with one six by three bed. You can get really snazzy ones on Amazon um, if that's what you want to do. Or you can just get a grow bag. Bootstrap Farmer has a great, um, it's 300 gallon. It's, it's big. It's a big round. It's kind of like a raised bed, but it's actually a grow bag. Um, there's tons of options out there. Um, so then kind of figure that out. And then you sort of need to decide, am I going to start seeds in my house or am I going to buy started plants once I'm ready to, ready to plant outside? And I will tell you that you are still a real gardener if you go to the store and you buy start plant starts hundred percent. So I think sometimes people think like you have to have a big elaborate seed starting setup in your house or you're not legit. I mean, that's just, that's not true at all. Um, I think you spend more money when you go buy, you know, seed, uh, actual plant starts. Um, I'm sure you can find like a, a plants start sale or something 
from other gardeners is probably a much better option and you'll save money there. But if you're going to like Home Depot or Lowe's or, you know, even your local garden center, I feel like they charge way too much for starter plants. I saw, I saw at Home Depot, like $6 for, it's not even an organic or heirloom variety tomato plant. I was like, what? That's outrageous. So I think that's a lot. So, I mean, I think, I think eventually if you're not ready to do it year one, which I was not ready to, to start my own like seeds in, in when I say start my own seeds, I mean in your house. Um, and actually let me backtrack because I need to make sure I explain this. There are certain crops that take longer to grow. And so you need to start them like when it's too cold to plant them outside and peppers and tomatoes are two of those crops. Um, even eggplant, um, and some others that you start them inside in like February so that when it's the right time to plant them outside, they're already, they've already, they got a head start basically, because if you just plant the seed outside, I mean, I might be able to get away with it. I have a really long growing season here in North Carolina. I might be able to get away with it, but I would not have a massive harvest. It would be very late, late, late in the season. So, you know, I start my, my tomatoes and my peppers in the house um, in January-ish, February-ish. Um, so that's what I mean by starts. So when you are ready to plant tomatoes, more than likely, wherever you live, you're going to need to actually use a, an actual plant, not a seed. Some things you can plant the seeds. So there's a lot of crops that grow fast enough, like green beans, for example, it's like 55 days. Um, they love hot weather. Um, even cucumbers, for sure, you can start outside. Those are relatively quick, you know, maybe 60 days. Um, so you'll have enough time to grow those things. But tomatoes and peppers, you got to really start them inside. So that's what I mean by starts. Um, so yeah, buy seeds. Seed shopping is super fun wicked fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. And you can buy all kinds of seeds. I'll, I'll link my favorites in the show notes. If you just, you can click on those websites and go check them out. Um, I have certain ones I shop at like every year. I have a bit of an addiction, um, but you know, seeds really don't go bad. You know, they'll say on them packed, you know, 2021 or whatever, but I mean, you could plant a seed. Pro I mean, it might degrade after five years or something, but I mean, Honestly, I plant seeds that are years and years old and they do just fine. Um, so, you know, kind of thinking that through, you know, what am I going to grow? Which ones are warm crops? What's my last frost date? Um, I do want to say something about the last frost date because I, do, I don't think I really talked about that. It's estimated, you know, so I have made the mistake. So let's say mine is April 10th. I've made the mistake of like, woohoo, it's April 10th and I'm planting everything out and not looking at the forecast, you know, app on my phone to see that, oh, it's going to dip below freezing, you know, on the 15th or on the 12th or whatever. And I have had to make a mad dash to cover up as many of my plants as I can. So, and especially if they're like, you know, young plants, they're like even more susceptible to, to getting damaged by the frost. So I have made that mistake where I'm like running out there frantically trying to cover things up 
to make sure they survive. Um, and I've learned that lesson. And no, did I learn it once? Yes. Did I learn it twice? Oh yeah, I learned it twice. I, three times? Yes, three times. Like I, I literally want to like roll the dice every year. And then this past year, I finally was like, don't be an idiot. Give it like a week. So I waited until like, I think it was like seven days or even longer before I planted anything out. Cause I was like, I do not want to have this happen again where I'm like frantically trying to make sure everything survives. So your, your last frost date is, is an estimation. So keep an eye on your, on your forecast and kind of, you know, make sure uh, things look, you know, warm enough for these plants at night. Um, so anyway, I, I just wanted to like emphasize that. Um, so as far as the seed starting, you know, if you're ready, some people are like, yeah, heck yeah, let's just do it. If you're ready, you can get a seed starting set up, you know, relatively cheap. Uh, you don't need special grow lights. You can just use shop lights. And I, um, I have a blog post that I made about seed starting. I'll uh, link it in the show notes. And it has, it even, I think I even put links to specifically what shop lights I bought. But I mean, really you need, I mean, you can get the shop lights for like 20 bucks. Well, at least you could, I don't know with the stupid inflation. I don't know if they're more, but I know mine were like $20 a piece and they're just regular shop lights. And um, you can really grow in any container. I have ones that I really like from Bootstrap, Bootstrap Farmer. They're made in America and they're very, very durable and you, you can use them year after year. Um, but, you know, really you can get creative and you can grow as long as it has um, drainage, you can really grow just about anything. So seed starting doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be simple, but you can actually start your own seeds. And that's really fun because you have so much flexibility with varieties. Um, once you start dipping your toe in the seed company catalogs, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I have to grow this it's pink or like I do that. Like, Oh my gosh, pink okra. I don't even like okra. I did. I grew that one year. I don't even like it, but I did because <laughs> it was pink. Well, don't do that. But I did grow pink celery and it was fabulous. So, you know, there's just, I like to grow things that are beautiful and cool. And I always pick one or two varieties of something that are new to me. And sometimes that was a total bust. And I was really sad that I wasted, um, you know, wasted garden space. I'm talking to you, pink fang tomato, total bust. I hated them. But anyway, um, so kind of just decide about the seed starting. Are you going to try to start or are you going to buy started plants? Um, and then honestly, this is enough to kind of get you, get you kind of in the right frame of mind. There's going to be more decisions you have to make once you get ready for to like, you know, with the soil. And I think I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on soil because I had no idea that I would think soil was so fascinating because that's really dorky, but it's wicked interesting. I know. And, and it's wicked confusing. Like why do you sell bags of garden soil, Home Depot when they're not for the garden? Like what, that just makes no sense. So trust me, it's like a, another whole conversation, but at least if you kind of take these tips, get started. And then you can definitely follow me on Instagram and then reach out to me if you have questions, because I'm super happy. I, 
I've had a, a lot of people um, that have commented to me that they are so surprised that I answer every question. And I do, I answer every single question um, that people ask me and it's my pleasure to do so because I want as I want to take as many people along on this unbelievably satisfying ride of self-sufficiency. So if that means I got to spend some time connecting with folks and answering their questions, I am happy, happy, happy to do that. And, you know, I have like 13,000 followers now and it's still manageable. So until it's not manageable anymore, I'm going to do it because, you know, really, you know, I had that same, I had those same questions and, you know, I didn't really have anybody I could reach out to. So I just stumbled along and then kind of wasted some time and money when I feel like if I had, if I had somebody who was ex more accessible, I could have probably avoided a lot of those things. Um, but, you know, they did teach me a lot. And I think it helps me be a better teacher because of how many things I screwed up. I don't know if that's, that's a thing, but, you know, failure really does, really does help. Um, so anyway, here's, you know, here's, he here's the things to do. How do you even start? Do these things to get started. Um, it's only December. So we have plenty of time um, to, you know, get the plan in place before you actually have to plant those little babies in the backyard or on your patio. So we'll, I'll probably do like a um, part two where we'll delve into soil a little bit. Um, and maybe we'll talk raised beds and ground beds and, and kind of sort through like phase two of the planning stages. But um, please, um, if you have a comment or you want to kind of talk about how things are going for you, I would love to hear from you. And I hope this helps you kind of get your head around how do you even start. Y'all have a great, uh, great night and I will talk to you next week.